0: One of the most famous accidents of all time, isn't
1: it? <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Hello, jack To another pubcast. Hello, hello Paul. Hello, world. Hello, 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 hello. Today we are in the Paddington area of London, London Village, outside, St. Paul. literally outside, but across the road from St Mary's Hospital, in a pub called Fountains Abbey. Fountains Abbey. Which allegedly, apparently, was uh, regularly frequented by Sir Alexander Fleming, discoverer of penicillin. Correct. Who, so it seems went. It was educated at St Mary's
0: Medical School. Past the road. And apparently, Jeff, um, the spores he used to make penicillin on the petri dish. Um, Came from the obviously from the from this alehouse, the in the air, the particles from this this very pub that we're in. Very cool. So very we can cool. can almost we're we're in in the history here, right here now, the discovery of penicillin. Thanks, okay, so well I'll drink to that. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. What are you
1: drinking? What am I drinking? That's a good question. What am I drinking? Uh, it's called Atlantic. Who? Atlantic. It's a Cornwall beer apparently.
0: Right.
1: There's not much head on it, to be fair. The, the barmaid apologised for that, but uh, it's alright, it's, it's, it's it doesn't really have a huge amount of character to it, to be fair. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. It's all right. Not not one of mine. I don't think I'll be ordering it again. No. It's supposed to be branded as an exceptional pale ale. I don't think I would agree with that statement. Okay. But it's all right. And you bought me something very, very strong. Well, yeah, you made the mistake of saying, Jeff... Your choice. Order me something. So I've got uh, an old rosy, cloudy, scrumpy, 7.2%. Old
0: rosy. How's that going down? (laughs) Well, I'm I'm probably going to hit the floor as soon as I stand up. But that's... uh... That's a bit of bite, isn't it? Casualties of war. Yeah, it's it's got a bit of a certain um and that apple-y, appley uh rough texture to it. I'll be honest, but um it's one of those scumpies that you you know you just can't really taste. It just tastes like apple juice. Okay. But then as soon as you stand up or you go and get outside and get a breath of fresh air, it, an instant headache. So there we are. Well, enjoy it while you can. Just one pint, I think, today. Anyway, what's on, Jeff? What's I'm on? on, what's on? Um,
1: Trying to think whether there's anything that's related to Mr. Fleming. I, uh, apart
0: from his discovery of penicillin, I don't really know much about him to be honest. Apparently, it was an accident. He left. He left the petri dish on the windowsill. Okay. Yeah. So the um, and these um, you know these spores obviously landed on the yeah. petri dish and the. Uh, I assume the, the reaction uh, occurred there and then, through, through from the window if it, it just left them there with the window open by mistake had he not opened the window had that this, this ale house not been producing ale at that point, he probably would you know, you can, can't think what might not have happened. Happy accidents Happy accidents, Jeff.
1: We Good mistakes did, 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 did Good mistakes, we had a conversation about good mistakes there, didn't we? We did That's an interesting one so there's a, a good TED talk that we uh, we were one watching with of the, with our, one of the ones we Yeah, some of our colleagues today by a guy called Tim Harford. It's called Trial Error and the God Complex, and he talks about making good mistakes, I'm trying to We often fall into the the trap of believing that we can master complexity and uh, turn uncertainty into certainty, uh, assume the right answer and then plan for it, the fallacy of the waterfall project if you will, Um, and his his statement there is about embracing that uncertainty and and go for a trial and error approach and try and learn as much as you can as quickly as you can and make good mistakes so you can have happy accidents. Exactly.
0: So, what, what what's a good mistake? What's a good mistake? A good mistake is something that you're prepared to learn from, I
1: think. Yeah, I think learning is a big part of it. Yeah. I think there's, there's a difference between...
0: Well, I want to avoid making silly mistakes. But then, then perhaps I'm wrong, in terms of... maybe. Is a a mistake the same or different as an experiment?
1: Maybe, I don't want to do it, bias and get into the semantics of wordplay. But I think there is there are different. Things. There's there's carelessness, right? Well, there yeah. yeah. and, and we want to avoid carelessness. So I think if we can avoid avoidable mistakes, mistakes, then we should do that. But equally, we need to open ourselves up to the possibility of something not working out ideally for the
0: potential benefit of learning something. Yeah, so it might be, a good example might be putting something that's not quite finished in front of a user to get their feedback on it, something that's perhaps got a few errors in it just to see what they think of how it currently works. Or, I mean, you could, I think you could probably classify set-based
1: designers as good mistakes, because you're actually, you're by definition developing a number of different options, some yeah. of which won't be used. Yeah. What other examples are there of good mistakes?
0: In famously, uh, Coca-Cola was a mistake, wasn't it? Was it? Coca-Cola the uh, the recipe that was developed by um, scientists or uh, chemists chemists sorry uh, in terms of trying to develop cure for headaches okay. Do you work? Do no, A does okay. Just tasty. Well, but it's yeah, they found that actually the recipe they, they created was actually quite tasty, so they made it more into a drink. And then now it's obviously a billion dollar company. Mm. Well I've written about product owners' mistakes.
1: And right. Their product owners need to avoid bad mistakes but make good mistakes quickly. My definition of good mistakes included the, basically the fact that you're making them in good faith. Yeah, so we acknowledge that there is a chance that this could happen, but we are, doing, we are acting with the best of intentions. Yeah. It's not just carelessness, it's not, um, it's not bad. bad intentions. Doing the right thing for the product, basically. I mean, it's, from a product owner perspective, these mistakes are. I need to find out about this product as quickly as possible.
0: And the environment is operating the already. acceptance that there could be, an, a, and from a product owner's perspective, there could be a cost in terms yeah. of re, potential rework. Yeah. Or, um, or just you know, a lack of value. We won't add as much value as we could have by yeah. doing it this way. So there's acceptance there that we're going to look. We have to lose something. Yeah. For the benefit of something else, the example of uh, in that Tim Harford told us—the one that I remember—is
1: the Unilever example. Of the, yeah. The detergent nozzle, where they used to make a, a nozzle for spraying the detergent to turn it into powder or something. Yeah. yeah. And they tried to find someone to design it. They bought a, a bossford Yeah. <coughs> who, who couldn't do it, and so they just created ten random designs tested yeah. them all, picked the one that worked the best and created ten more random designs based off that. Yeah. And so on. And that trial and error led to a design that nobody would have come up with and nobody could explain. No. So now most of those designs that they came up with were waste. Yeah.
0: By and one that, definition. But that's the only way they could have got to But that was a necessary right, waste. Yes. Necessary waste. There you go, there's, there's another one. This is linked to that isn't it? What 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 would we what, are we prepared? What is necessary waste in this in this effort? What do we have to live with? Yeah. In a particularly you know, complex or technically,
1: that cost was worth paying to reduce the risk early. Well, you could argue that was the, it was the only way to pay. Oh, you could, uh, you, could uh, you could make an argument. You could blinky yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it, a, a boffin could design something. Okay. Yeah.
0: But his, his argument there of letting go of that God complex.
1: And stepping in and embracing the mess.
0: You can apply the same theory to organizational design. You know yeah. there's, there's no way... There is no way to find out what your Agile transformation, your, the, your Agile organisation looks like without a sense of good mistakes. Hmm. But, but there's, there's uh, another slant there, there's got to be a degree of acceptance that there might be a cost financially, there might be a cost to me if I'm the person who's either making that call that this might not work, yeah. I might lose face. As a PO, or as a team member, yeah. by trying something that I know might—it's not a guaranteed one hundred percent chance that this is going to work. Yeah. So there's a degree of—you know—I've got to challenge myself. Of course, courage. Oh yeah, true. I've got to—I've got to potentially stand up and, and make a decision that might make me look vulnerable. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why. Personally speaking, I can't. I, I can't speak
1: for Ken Schwaber, Jeff Sutherland, or anyone. Personally speaking, I think that's one of the reasons why courage is one of the five Scrum values. There's, there's so much of that of dealing with uncertainty, making decisions with incomplete information, making yeah. yourself vulnerable, built into the Agile process, built into the Agile product development, development approach. Uh, and just the world
0: in general today. You could argue it should be part of any process, but Scrum is the only one that really makes it explicit. Yeah. When I, when I, I don't know about you. When I share the five Scrum
1: values with teams, courage is the one that people are most surprised about. Why? Well, it's, it's surprising for me because I, it's probably my favourite. Yeah. Not that I really do favourites, but if I was to pick a favourite <laughs> of the five Scrum values, it would probably be courage. Why um, do people find that surprising? Why do people- I don't know. Just just the facial expressions. And they said, "Well, why?" why?" I mean, we. I've had one person who said, "I just don't get courage. I don't know what I don't know what it has to do with teamwork. I don't know what it has to do with." For them personally, or for their team? Yeah, and their team. They just just said, "Courage is a weird concept." Yeah, and I get I get the fact that no one's going into war, no one's risking their life, and
0: and it's not that extreme. But But I wonder if that's the the crossover with. Software development, maybe in this person's case, is a very is perceived by some as a very scientific process. That okay, yeah. there's a there's a binary output: the test pass or fail. It's you know inevitably there's the sprint passes or fails. They want to attach more binary activity to it. Therefore, if we know we should know what we're starting with, and we should know what we're ending with, acceptance yeah. criteria, all this type of stuff. That it this. Maybe, well, you know, maybe it's the type of work you're involved with, maybe it's the type of product you deliver is a very, you know, is, a, is more of a binary type product, it's just there are passes and fails, it either works or it doesn't. But when I talk to you know, talk to product owners, for example,
1: one on one, we talk about the idea of they have to take that huge product backlog of theirs and really pare it down to the. the oh, yeah. and, and that means telling some stakeholders they're not going to get the requirements so they sure. that they want straight away. That takes it, courage. Yeah. Um, trusting a team to get involved in solving the problem and taking the team's estimates takes courage. The development team and I talk to them about you know, actually holding your teammate to account, taking responsibility, stepping up and saying, this is what I believe I'm capable of, and then showing what you've done early when it could
0: be ripped to shreds by a percentage. I all requires courage. Just to pick on your development team as an example there, you could... You could argue where a, where the development team isn't taking on that value of courage, they're compromising some of the benefits they they could get from things like daily scrums or retrospectives. So if you could argue, if you find that your team are just kind of going through the motions, maybe they, they're not making courageous decisions. So it takes courage, for instance, for me to tell you, Jeff, you are not pulling your you. didn't pull your weight yesterday, yeah. you yeah. checked in a piece of crap code, whatever that might have been, you didn't comment it, whatever it was so, do better next time, for, yeah. for the, for, I, you know, it takes courage for me to do that. Where I'm just looking after myself, I don't need any courage. Because I'm, I'm looking after myself. I'm not calling out bad behaviour amongst any, any of the rest of us. Yeah. Interesting what happens. i interesting what people think of my, they see where they feel courage doesn't exist in the Yeah, but I, like, it I, means I, different things to different people. True, true. What, what what is brave to somebody is is nothing to somebody else. Yeah. yeah, and I think it might also depend on the type of company you work for. Mm. If you're in a cutthroat type business where we have to take gambles on a daily basis, live or die, you know the company share price you know, rises and falls on a daily basis, then you're probably used to taking more calculated risks. Yeah. yeah. As a team, not just as a partner. Yeah.
1: I'd love to. I'd love to hear from people what, what their examples are. Courage in an agile context, or like how they see
0: courage playing out in reality on a day-to-day basis within their agile environment. Is there any examples you can think of that might, where it might have a negative, courage might have a negative effect, or well, being courageous? Yeah, uh,
1: I'm sure I could manufacture some. For example, some extreme, but you know Someone takes it upon themselves to, to 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 carry the team yeah to to work ridiculous hours to make something happen that's their break or they they push themselves outside of not just outside of their comfort zone but outside of their stretch zone into the into the stress zone yeah um, they push themselves too far before they before they're ready um, and your example there of calling me out on my not putting my weight yesterday that that could be seen as courage but it could also be seen as confrontation. Exactly yeah so, so exactly. taken out of context to the
0: other from value of respect. Yeah exactly right so that's why there are five they have to, they all kind of have to work together and where one value isn't being matched by another you get you can get conflict. Yeah mm. you can you can rip teams apart. With too much courage and no respect, openness, courage, and no respect. respect. It's a dangerous combination. Yeah. So it is a, and I think, in some respects, those um, values in themselves can act as great retrospective themes that, or topics that you can, as a team, try and define. Well, what does courage mean to us? Yeah. What does focus mean to us? Courage for one team might be
1: accepting the challenge laid down by a product owner. Courage for another team might be saying no to a product owner. Exactly, yeah. Depends on the relationships, doesn't it?
0: People are, people are very interesting. It's always been a people problem, has it? Always. Yeah. That won't change. Very, very rarely do we get asked a question about process. No. It's always about people. If we took people out of the equation, it'd be easy. Well... Our jobs would be over. Surely, surely one day it's all going to be done by robots
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I was speaking to a friend the other day, this is going off on a bit of a tangent, apologise, but one of my friends has, uh, has a two-year-old, right. and he he's always sort of been one of those early adopters, yeah. and so he's never owned a car, well I say never, he, he did when we were at school, but he doesn't and so he, will be one, he was one of the first people to join up to these carpool schemes before they were really... Oh what, through work? Like, yeah, okay. no, no, like, like a personal thing, so... all oh, right, You can just join this club and those of you can... Yeah, there, so there are cars dotted around Bristol that he will just take. We were talking about that. Uh, he borrowed some car took from this pool to come down to see me and uh, somehow in the future he doesn't think his, his son will ever drive a car. Right. I thought that's a, that's a bold statement to make. He said, no, seriously, I mean, look at now The driverless cars are becoming a reality. Yeah. And look at the amount of progress that's been made in the last 15 years on cars, and that's only going to accelerate. By the time he's 17 and able to get a driving license, probably won't need to drive.
0: No. In terms of the cost, you think about. See, so there's no point buying a car, no. Yeah, insurance you know, robot, Uber. robot Uber. Exactly. Insurance has got to be sky high for a seventeen. 17- I mean, I play. There's a I play rugby with a few of the lads that are just literally just turning seventeen. Or I play with the dads who've got yeah. um, you know, some of the older players that have got kids that kind of age, and they said the insurance is worth more than the car. It's just, it's just a no- no-brainer. Yeah, I think maybe we're, we're going
1: to
0: get there. Yeah, nothing nothing
1: to do with Agile There. Well, maybe, I don't know. maybe, maybe these robot driverless cars have been maybe developed the, in an in incremental manner.
0: Maybe the tools are going to take over. do Skynet? Yeah. Maybe eventually Jira. Will, Jira will take over the world. Yeah, we'll 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 be replaced by Jira. Jira robots. Nigel's worst nightmare. <laughs> and uh, they are growing aren't they? They, they, they um, consumed Trello. Have you heard of that news recently? Really? So Atlassian have bought out Trello, oh. my company. So Jira are expanding. It's at the end is nice. Skynet is, you know, is Apollos. is you tell me which film Skynet from? Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm <laughs> not going to tell you. Just Google it after <laughs> uh, So, yeah. Uh, interesting. Courage. Courage. <laughs> mm. We require courage every day. every day. Every day of the week. Uh, interesting. People don't... People don't see it in do they? I think... So, let, let me give you a different example. Would you do a bungee jump? Yeah. As your... Um, if I asked you that te- that question ten years ago, would you still do it? Yeah. If I asked you that quest- same question in ten years' time, would you still do it? Don't know. Ah, I see why? Don't, Don't know. I would uh, be less stable, or well, less secure in my body maybe. Well that's it. I'm generally more afraid of things now. I think, okay. I think I've, yeah. I don't know, I, I feel I've got more to lose. Yeah. I suppose family plays into that equation as well, more, people are more dependent on me. But oh, I, yeah, think, I think I'm, I, I was at my most courageous Probably, yeah, about ten years ago, I'd say. You feel immortal, don't you, when you're in your twenties? No, but I was, if you look at my kind of career progression, I was very, I was in BT for a long time. Very scared to leave BT you know, for a, for three, two, three years, and then I did, and then I went through, you know, went abroad to New Zealand and did all these great new activities, and jumped out of planes, and jumped off cliffs, and things like that. Before my children, and now I've kind of perhaps gone back slightly into that more a self-preservation state where I to, I've got people I need to look after my, my, myself is larger than just me, it's my family as well. Yeah. I wonder if that plays into that you know, maybe your environment, maybe your family, maybe your culture of an organisa- organisation adjusts your, your how courageous you are. Yeah, I would say so. The potential consequences of a uh,
1: less than ideal result of jumping out of a
0: plane when you're young you've got no dependence. it's just you, isn't it? No, but we, people people I talk to are still, you know do people believe that if I get this wrong at work I could lose my job? Yeah And I think that's a genuine fear for some people And that's, that's you know, that's that's a big decision that yeah. might prevent them from doing something
1: Yeah your question of would I would I jump out of a plane but I don't I wouldn't consider that courageous because it doesn't scare me. Courage, jumping out of a plane doesn't scare me. No. Why? Uh, well I could I could rationalise it and I could say I, I have faith in parachutes and I also have a view that if it goes wrong it's half a second out of your pain. <laughs> um but to me courage is doing the difficult things when the right things. Doing the right things when it scares you.
0: Okay. Does that I, make sense? No, I can see that, yeah. Doing what? Yeah, doing the right thing when it's hard to do the right thing. Yeah, if you're not scared of it, it's not difficult, if it's not courageous.
1: Okay. I'm sure someone said that better than me. Mm.
0: How do we define what's the right thing for? Sure, that's subjective. As I suppose if you believe it's the right thing, yeah. to do, and you're going against what your instinct is telling you, yeah. then you are being courageous.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, um, and, uh, you've said that quite well. You know, at some level, this is the right thing to do, but there's a part of you that is sort of self-preservation. It's dangerous. Stay away from that. Yeah. But you, you you go against your, almost your
0: better judgment. Put yourself almost in harm's way. It's like when I want to ask my kids, did you take the last biscuit from the tin? <laughs> they know they should probably tell me. Yeah. Please. But they don't. <laughs> no, they're good kids. And you always take the last biscuit. From the tin. Exactly, there's never any really biscuits left, obviously.
1: So what organisation from necessarily the individual scrum team level, where, where does an organisation need courage?
0: I think they need courage to get started. Why? Because, again, it's kind of linked back to that God Complex thing that it's hard to, get, it's hard to start something where you don't know, you haven't got the right answer yet. Yeah, it's hard to start something without someone telling you it's going to be okay. It's hard to start something without a perfect design laid out in front of us. Um, but it's like, I mean, we do some very simple things in the ballpoint game. These games that we play in scrum training courses, analysis paralysis, that you could be there. For days analyzing the best way to get started, yeah. but I've yet to see a team in that game that defines the perfect solution before they start. If you could, I mean, we give them a finite amount of time, but they could they could be there for a long, long time and still not find the perfect way. Yeah. There's, there's many different ways to do many different things. It's
1: not. It's the perfect perfect comes. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Perfection.
1: Perfection can be a, a stopper. If you can't get it perfect, is it worth doing it at all? Yeah. It can be, become too
0: daunting. The best is the enemy of the good, is that, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Who said that? Both quote, quote uh, quiz. Well, no, the one that Thomas I... Thomas Fuller?
1: No, I'm not gonna... Antoine no. de Saint-Exupéry, no, I think is the okay. one that I... Voltaire, I think Voltaire,
0: Voltaire, Voltaire was over there. It was someone profound who probably had a beard. I think Voltaire. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we can constantly search for something to get started, but in truth, what you actually need is just to get started. Yeah, the perfect starting
1: point, breaking down perfection into its constituent parts or its increments. That's what great product owners do. The perfect
0: slice of the product. Okay. I think that one's come to its conclusion. Yeah, it's got me... That's, I'm in some kind of deep thought state now. Yeah. Like, kind of... It's like human values, aren't they? Yeah. It's the human side of it that's hard. Yeah,
1: I think I've remembered now. <laughs> no, 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 so I, I remember having a chat with my son about courage and being brave, and he said something like, it's alright for you because, you know, you're not scared. I mean, it's not about, courage isn't about not being scared, it's still, you're always, you're still scared. And I know I say I wouldn't be scared of jumping out of a plane, So it would be, it wouldn't be great. But it's not about getting rid of fear, it's about not letting fear stop you, isn't it? That's, that's the thing, it's being able to make progress, move forward, despite
0: fear, despite the worry, the anxiety. It's also just making a decision. Yeah, it's the best courage. decision you can even with the incomplete knowledge, rather than procrastinating, actually saying, you know, I might not have all, have all the facts, but let's try this and see what happens. And I don't have all the facts, but I
1: decide it's time for another point. <laughs> so until next time. Cheers, Jeff. Stay brave. Cheers. Mate. Cheers.